Hello friends, at the beginning of this episode we wanted to make you aware of a possible trigger warning. This episode features a depiction of suicide. It is not described in detail and it happens off screen. However, it is still discussed and it does still happen, albeit off screen. If you would like to listen to this episode, the uh, act happens at about one hour and five minutes in. You could skip ahead to about an hour and seven minutes in if you you wanted to skip that bit of the story. I wanted to let you know of this up front so that you could listen responsibly and safely because safety is important. Enjoy this episode. All right, all right. Let's go ahead and sync audio. Cool. Uh, I will say one. Uh, Big Mama Swole will say two. That's me. Uh, Sugar Zaddy will say three. Oh, my God. <laughs> the... Shadow of the Philosophus will say four. <laughs> Gagger Gwyn will say five. Why she get the boring and one? I, I can't, I'm, I'm running out of names. I can't think of any. And then Peanut Butter and Mitchell will say six. <laughs> what? Mitchell? <laughs> that was so hard. I was trying to come up with names, but also count at the same time. I already have such a hard time counting. I've already forgotten what number I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Shit. I didn't get a name. Oh, um, you know what your name is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't though. <laughs> Nor will we. Hello, friends. My name is Occam, and you are listening to Tales to Inspire. Divided. Crystal Gazer, Dr. Fusion, and Geiger Gwyn have rushed to New York City to intercept a German bomber equipped with an experimental and destructive payload. Meanwhile, on the White House lawn, Torchbearer, Sister Solstice, and Omission brandish their dukes against the denizen of darkness. Grab a hold of your seat, folks. This will be a bumpy ride, and not everyone will survive. As we open this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see the White House. And in front of the White House, we see a coiling miasma of darkness. And we see destruction and fire all up the street, all up Pennsylvania Avenue. The front lawn of the White House is torn and ripped. And we see a familiar face in with this darkness. See the face of hives. And we see these tendrils of darkness eking into his eyes, 
crawling up his chin into his mouth. The tips of his fingers have started to turn black and wither. And we see him tilt his head ever so slightly and smile. And his teeth are serrated. And Hives looks across the lawn and smiles at Torchbearer. This whole world is mine to take. Darkness consumes everything. And so shall it be that I shall consume the world. The only thing standing in my way is you, Light. But now, I will extinguish you once and for all. As long as I live, and as long as I breathe, I will do everything in my power to stop you. I will never stop, and this light will never go out. I promise you that. Omission, as this is happening, what's uh, what are we seeing happening in the White House Oval Office? I mean, I got... Uh, I, I just got uh, done uh, stealing some of the... All of the president's stuff. Um, America's Secrets and stuff like that. Uh, if there's no other, like, um, secret organization or secret documents or anything like that, uh, I think Omission is just going to shoot fire a single bullet at this guy. Okay. Sister Solstice, while Torchbearer and Harbinger are sharing these words, uh, what are you doing? Um, I think I'm focusing not necessarily inward, but like very focused on what I'm about to have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just trying to block everything out and like really center myself because I cannot screw this up. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And Omission, you said that you were going to take a shot at Harbinger? Yeah, so um, Harbinger has Henry. Yes. But basically, uh, the Harbinger is just the embodiment of darkness, and it needs to attach itself to something to affect the world around it. And so it is using hives as a host. Oh, then yeah, Henry gets a bullet to the head. A.K.A. Face. You take a shot, and uh, as it speeds towards this darkness, I think it hits and stops, kind of frozen in the entropy of this entity. And uh, we see Hives turn and look to the White House, uh, and he sees you clearly in light of the, the window. And he, he clicks his tongue. Tut, tut, tut. Your friend's torchbearer. I need to do more than that. We'll keep shooting him. I don't like it when villains monologue. Like, <laughs> no, nah, if one bullet won't do, let's see several. And then if several won't do, I need to find something else here with maybe a little bit more firepower. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, they have a nuclear warhead underneath the White House or a laser gun they got from... Area, whatever. Yeah, so we see, we see Omission just unload the clip, and all these bullets just get stuck in like passing through molasses 
through this darkness. Um, and then Sister Solson and Torchbearer, you look over and, oh yeah, Omission is here. Who's who's firing? Hey. Oh. Damn it. Did you just, like, recognize that I'm here and say, damn it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and the immediate re- uh, rec- realization that this is going to be harder than I wanted it to be. <laughs> Yeah, Harbinger, Harbinger smiles viciously. You pride yourself on protecting. Let's see how you protect this one. And then it darts towards the White House. Torchbearer and Sister Solstice and Omission. What do you do? I'm going to dart towards Hives. I feel like at this point, and if we're not ready for this, then that's fine, but I feel like at this point, Sister Solstice is, like, starting to, like, rise up, and she's about ready to, like, do the thing. Okay. You do not have the heart at the center of the darkness that you need. Uh, You will need that to do the spell. Well, then maybe that's what I'm rising up to do. Okay. That's the thing. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yes, the thing is to get the heart. Okay, I see. Uh, What's the heart? (laughs) Benefit of being vague. The heart. (laughs) Um, I think uh, I react before it happens. Nope, wrong game. (laughs) Wrong story. Wrong character. Wrong character. It's a lot of wrongs in one sentence. Well, then we're going to enter into a combat exchange. Uh, I'll go ahead and choose what the Harbinger is going to do. I have chosen. Uh, what are you three going to do? I have chosen. I guess I'm going to uh, evade and observe. I think I'm going to evade, evade, and observe as well. Thank you for your annunciation. I'm going to advance and attack. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Harbinger is also choosing to advance and attack. Big surprise. Um, but, Mitch, you are the player, so uh, you get to go first. Uh, please describe what you were doing and roll plus smash. I, I think he's going to uh, rip down the um, the drapes. And and uh, probably like uh, real quickly uh, throw some bullets into it with a flare, uh, wrap it around so it's almost like a a sling explosive uh, type thing, um, and then just get ready for um, this whatever harbinger guy so we can slap the bejeebus out of him. Yeah. Uh, and what? Oh, smash! I can smash. Let you, I'll let you smash. Smash or pass. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Becky, and I'll let Please, you smash. Please, Becky. Please, Becky. <laughs> uh, 13, my man. Okay. And uh, I will remind everybody, don't forget about your condition. So, uh, Mitch, I actually don't think this would change anything, but did you count your minus two for being afraid? No, I did. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I did not. So, yeah, that would be uh, 11. It's still an 11, so it's still 10 plus. Okay, so you get to choose two of those options from advance and attack. What you doing? I'm going to strike, uh, take a stress for them to mark a condition. Um, and I can't choose the same one again, can I? 
Uh, no, you can only choose each one once. Cool. Then I'll do pressure uh, to intimidate him. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I will prevent him from using advance and attack. Okay. Uh, so please describe for us how uh, how does this look? Oh, and also for strike, are you doing uh, two stress or marking condition, uh, or are you going to mark one stress to make to choose yourself? I'm going to mark one stress, uh, which I already did for him to uh, do a condition. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think uh, he looks at omission, uh, and he's expecting, um, you know, a regular guy. So this should be pretty easy. Just go up and smash, right? Um, and omission looks like a, a hobo on his best days. Um, <laughs> and so as he approaches, uh, he whips out this um, this drapes filled with gunpowder and a flare. Um, as it's lit up and like this almost fireball of uh, flame engulfs the drapery uh, as the white uh, kind of lace cloth goes up and browns and then smashes him right in the face uh, while um, Omission rolls back and uh, it ducks underneath the desk. Dope, I like it, okay. Okay, so yeah, you swing that around, it explodes, it's fire explosion. Uh, you go to roll underneath the desk, uh, and then, like, in the, um, th- as the smoke clears from that explosion, we see uh, Hive's little bit of burn marks on his skin and face and on his arm. Uh, his military uniform is kind of burnt and crisped a little on the left side. And then, like, we see the darkness kind of like a wave crashing back to the shore. We see it relapse over that arm, smothering the fire and coming back. And he looks, or it looks around the Oval Office and it snarls. I underestimated you. I'll have to snuff you out quick. And Hives sweeps his hand forward, and this huge claw of darkness comes out and shatters the president's desk that you had rolled under, completely exposing you. Uh, and since Harbinger has a condition marked now, it gets to choose two techniques. And so it is going to, one, smash, but it's also going to do its special technique, drain life and light. And we see this tendril shoot out from Harbinger and attach it to Omission's chest. Uh, Omission, as this thing touches your bare skin, you see dark veins start to creep out from where it has attached itself to you, and you feel your life force being drained away. Uh, Mitchell, or Omission, I guess I should say, you now have the doomed status. At the end of every combat exchange, you will have to mark one stress. Or narratively, if we're not in a combat exchange, every couple of seconds, you will mark a stress. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. That's cool. He attaches, or it attaches his tendril to, and you can start to feel your life force being drawn away as the Harbinger smiles, that serrated tooth smile once again. Um, and I'm going to resolve the smash action after I see what Torchbear and Sister Solstice do. So, moving on to Evade and Observe, what's happening? Um, so, when Sister Solstice sees um, what 
happened to omission um in her head she's now determined that it's omission's heart um but that brings a conflict for her because like she doesn't know how to handle that exactly mm-hmm. um so so uh go ahead and roll 2d6 plus your investigate i'm gonna re-roll this time. okay eight and eight so you get to choose one what you choosing Lunch. Wait, what? <laughs> which one, which of these three do you choose? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? <laughs> lunch. Um, I guess I'm going to seize a position so that okay. I can engage hives. No, harbinger. Sorry. So that I can engage harbinger so that maybe that will break the contact. Like... Does that make sense? Okay. So you're going to seize a position to put yourself in, like, reach of Harbinger. Okay. Describe for us. How's this look? Once she sees the light force shoot out of Harbinger, she realizes, like, that's it. And so she um, is going to take this opportunity to put herself in place to um, be ready to I don't <laughs> strike when the you're, moment you're, presents itself yeah okay so you get up in there our torch bear what are you doing yeah very similarly I think we both kind of swoop in at the same time uh, Harbinger like zooms past before we can really react and we're both just coming up behind him after uh, what they've done to a mission and Torchbearer is very much focused on Hives and Hives' well-being, uh, seeing as he's been controlled by this entity that he knows is pure evil, basically. Um, and so he runs, uh, like, flies up as fast as he possibly can, uh, right to Hives' back, and taking him under, uh, like, a half-Nelson under one arm and then, uh, like, a sleeper hold around his throat. Uh, he wants to try to sees hive hives uh oh okay a very similar just like a a more superior position or an advantageous position I should say. sure yeah go ahead and roll a 2d6 plus your investigate seven okay uh did you add your minus two for being angry yes it was my uh, plus one for investigate and then minus two for angry Okay. All right. Yeah. So you uh, you get to choose one, barely. Yeah. Just the seize a position. Oh yeah, you're right. You already said that. All right. So you seize a position. So you rush up. You are grappling with hives, um, and uh, Sister Solstice is now there. This tendril that connects Harbinger to Omission uh, is tethering them together. Uh, and as I said earlier, uh, Harbinger is going to choose to smash. So, uh, as Harbinger goes to smash, uh, you, you have highs restrained, but the embodiment of darkness is not. And so these huge, uh, multiple tendrils, arms, claws come out of the mass 
and just start thrashing and smashing, shattering the window, shattering the uh, beautiful balcony outside, smacking the ground over office beneath it. And from outside, we see these tendrils rip through the roof of the White House, and we just see the White House start to cave in on itself. We turn the page from that scene to a beautiful blue sky, clouds lazily drifting across, and three figures plummeting to their deaths. Uh, Crystal Gazer, Dr. Fusion, and Geiger Gwyn. You are falling, rapidly falling through the air, miles above New York City. Uh, beneath you, you can see this uh, V-shaped black aircraft streaking through the air, kind of dipping out from the cloud cover, coming towards New York City. You know that this is uh, a bomber that has somehow made its way across the Atlantic Ocean from Germany, uh, coming to bomb New York City. What do the three of you do as you're falling through the air? The wind whipping in your face. Are we lined up to fall on top of it? I think you'll need to get there somehow. It's a risky situation, Marlo. I'd imagine even if three people landed on top of a like aircraft like that, that would still be pretty uh, difficult to mm. keep it from taking a nosedive. Uh, does anybody have any ideas? Because I can try some telekinesis sort of. Are we are we all within like about. arms reach of each other? Because we went through the portal. Yeah, I like... think. Yeah. Yeah, y'all like y'all walk through this portal, and it's like it's like you step through a door, and when you went to go step where there should have been floor, there was nothing. You just kind of like plummeted. So. Yeah, I think you're all relatively close to each other. So there's just a speech bubble going, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Looney, Looney Tunes noise. Uh, Dr. Fusion, Geiger Gwyn, is there anything you could do in this situation to help her? Whatever's happening, uh, Gwen is maneuvering herself to grab onto both of them. Because regardless if we get there or not she's going to attempt to phase all of us in and out in a way where we will not hit at terminal velocity and die yeah <laughs> mm, mm, fair so yeah. if we can get within a range and like going she's gonna phase us through the roof of it basically into the middle of the cockpit or cargo bay or whatever of this bomber we can get to okay uh were you going to try something, Occam, or you think you're good? I think suddenly Doc has a fear of heights and is freaking out. She's <laughs> <laughs> a nine! I think everybody nine. would have a fear of heights at that moment. <laughs> well, let's see, that's, uh, that's seven, eight. An eight, all right, so you get to choose. I'm still doing the thing. Uh, so take a risk. Uh, you do it imperfectly. The EIC tells you how your approach might lead to unexpected consequences, Accept those consequences or mark one stress. <laughs> I think you all three get to the thing. Or, I mean, okay, so here's the consequences. 
you get to the uh, plane, but something goes wrong as Geiger Gwyn is going to try to phase all three of you through between like you using your telekinetics to, to push y'all towards it, her using her powers to phase you through it, and all three of you trying to land in the same spot. Something happens and one of you is going to bounce off the hole of the plane and start falling away. Uh, do you accept that or do you mark one stress? So, yeah, I think, I think that's good. So what, what I kind of see happening here is they've pulled together and Crystal Gazer is like, she's got both of them like grip, death grip and she pushes. But what she realizes is she starts to push is she has nothing to push off of. And so as she's pushing and trying to like will herself forward to push them there, she ends up giving them a like telekinesis throw because she knows she's not going to quite make, they're not all going to quite make it. It's almost her, um, what's his name? Um, it's her bing bong moment. (laughs) She taught, but she's not going to die though. I don't think because she can still fly, but she, so she gives them a toss and they are able to phase through, I think. And maybe she's grasping at the wing, trying to like hold on and like will herself to like dig in and hold on. As they hit, as they go through, yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. Does that so sound like good? we see you like bump and hit and grab on, and then you just see me and Doc phase through the roof of the bomber, basically. Yeah. Okay. Like shit, I lost her. What? <laughs> she's she's clawing at the wind. I imagine she's like clawing at the outside, maybe like the wing. Like as she pushed mm. you, and then she kind of hit the wing and is like trying to like scared cat like claw her way back up top, but trying to focus or do anything at this juncture. Okay. So, when we're in the um, bomber now, where are we? Where did we land? We land, yeah, like, we next to a bomb? Or are we in the cockpit with pilot? Yeah, so, uh, you phase in, and you phase into, uh, of course, there's a catwalk. Because uh, every good climatic fight needs a catwalk on it um so you're facing you're on this catwalk it's i think you're kind of like in this engine room and uh you see all the mechanisms that uh make this thing possible and geiger gwen and dr fusion you see a familiar blue glow kind of arcing its way through all this machinery this entire vessel is being powered by that strange energy source that y'all found in the Alps. In fact, Dr. Fusion, I think you flash back to one of the blueprints you picked up and you sketched out. It was this very ship. And it seems like the German were finally able to create it. Wait. I've seen this before. (sighs) This seems awfully familiar. Try to get Margaret inside. Uh, and I'm gonna start walking up towards the cockpit. And I will look for a hatch to try and get her in as fast as possible. Okay. Um, so Doc is going towards the cockpit. Uh, Geiger Gwen, you are looking for a hatch. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, that's a lie. I take that back. As soon as he walks away, uh, okay. As soon as he walks away, I I immediately start 
moving like I'm looking for a hatch. I am. I'm definitely looking because I want to get her inside because I'm assuming I can kind of hear her banging on the outside, like yes. holding on. Um, but I'm also. I think I think this is one of those moments where because there's probably not much to grab on. She's slowly sliding off the edge of the wing. Is what I imagine because she's trying yes. to grip anything. Okay. But trying not to get close to, like, engines or anything like that. I want to go and find the big red button to smash my hand against to open the cargo bay doors. (laughs) Oh. And I'm going to fling whatever rope or carabiner type shit is in the back there. And just, uh, I'm like, Crystal's got this. Try to toss Mm -hmm. it to me. Okay, okay. So, okay, so just so I can picture this. Margaret is on top of the vehicle, on top of this V-shaped bomber, and you're going to open up the bay doors on the underside and throw a rope out the uh, bottom? Well, like, I'm picturing... Sorry, just hear me out. Okay. I'm picturing those uh, military-grade, like, not nets, but what they hold the cargo in with, Mm, and I want to detach that so it's flying out the back so when she drops from it, Maybe she'll hook an arm or a leg in it, okay, and still be able to climb her. It'll way be like up. a rope ladder dangling from the back of the ship. Yeah. I see, and I she see. can guide herself because she does. She can do the self-propelled flight. Okay. Okay, I like that. I like that. Okay, so yeah, there there is like a, a cargo door at the um, I don't know the armpit of the V. I guess what do you call that? The vertex of the V. Um, but you you see that, and you see a cargo uh, net that you could throw out there that Margaret could use as a ladder. But as you are finding that, I think, Gwen, you see uh, there is there's an engineering officer who is down working in the machine, working in the engine, making sure everything's going well, and he has spotted Dr. Fusion. Uh... And you see him take a little pistol out of his engineering outfit. Do you push the button to throw the net out, or do you engage this engineer? I push the button, and I go for my tanning handgun to engage, hoping that I'm fast enough. Okay. I'm going to say, since you, you rush forward, you smash the button, it starts to open up. You grab that rope ladder and throw it out. But in the time it took you to do that, that person is going to get a shot off. Uh, Doc Fusion. I'll I'll give you a choice, Occam. Um, Cool. do Do you mark a condition from getting shot, or does the bullet narrowly miss and you fall off the catwalk into, like, the, the mechanics? I think I'll just take the hit. Okay. Uh, so mark a condition that, that bullet shreds into your shoulder, and I think you turn around uh, right as Geiger Gwen has pulled up her pistol and leveled it and taken a shot. Uh, and, I mean, this engineer is just a guy, so sure. she fires that shot, and he drops dead. I'll just mark it. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's okay. Get... Get Margaret. As I turn back, do I see her? Did she latch onto the ladder that I let me swim? I think I'm going to have to roll for that. <laughs> in, the next, in the next panel, we see Crystal Gazer kind of like... 
her claws dug into a panel that has been bolted down. It's like starting to peel back. And I think right behind her, we can see this propeller that is, instead of being mounted on the front, is mounted, there are three mounted on the wings, uh, like in the rear, propelling it forward. And so we just see it flowing right behind her. And uh, Margaret, if you're okay with it, I think like we see your cape getting closer and closer to that turbine. No capes! Um, no capes! <laughs> no capes! Um, but I think over your other shoulder, you see this rope ladder just kind of flutter out behind the uh, the ship. Yeah, yeah. She's trying to, like, kick and trying to, like, kick herself away from it, trying to, like, engage her powers or think anything to do. And she as she kicks out and looks where her leg's kicking, she looks back and, and sees this ladder. And she said, Okay. One. Two. And then I think, if it's okay, that thing finally lets go. And uh, I'm going to roll to try to move move myself self-propelled flight is a difficult thing for me but that's kind of what i'm thinking it's akin to uh she's trying to guide herself through the wind absolutely and i feel like again take a risk is the perfect move for right now so go ahead and take a risk and once again 2d6 plus your protect okay 11 you do it as she latches onto it, I'm just like, thank God, I really did not want Doc mad at me right now. Yeah, you see, so I think you see this moment where she, as this thing pulls back and she's taken by surprise and her hands, like, she lets go of it as it's, as it, as it peels back and she uh, is, f- like, flying back, like, it's, she's, it's flying forward and she's got this, pro, like, this sort of backward momentum as she's falling uh, not being propelled by anything, and as she uh, lines up, and it's almost like she narrowly, she's just past it, uh, the um, um, this rope ladder. Um, you see her sort of uh, begin to she just quake a little bit as her body starts fighting the the momentum of gravity, and she finally lets out a ha, and just you see her like. Like her arms come, like she's got her hands still in front of her. She pushes, she she like pushes herself forward, reaches for it, grabs the bottom rung, and is just hanging on for dear life. And you just see uh, the next panel is Kyger Gwen just peeking out the back, going, "Come on, beautiful, we can't let have all the men have all the fun." And she starts dragging her. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, as you start to drag that rope ladder in. And Dr. Fusion is walking towards the cockpit doors. The cockpit doors open. And we see uh, these German soldiers come out. And uh, I think the artist has purposely drawn them in such a way that, like, we can see their shoulders. And there is, like, a patch has recently been removed. Um, And we see these soldiers run out holding their weapons, and they see you, Dr. Fusion, and they see uh, your other two hero friends in the background. And then we turn the page. Back to the rubble of the White House. Torchbearer, I think we come to with you surrounded by rubble. In whatever happened, you lost your grip on hives. You do not know where he is, but you hear something... Or someone moving in the darkness near you. Hives. 
I swear. What is that? And just takes a closer look and trying to like see through this darkness and whatever uh, the dust and debris that's in the air in these ruins. Yeah, and as you push debris out of the way, working your way, your your head hits on some pipes. You you stoop down, and the side of your head bumps against like a concrete, uh, just a concrete boulder. And you keep working your way, and eventually you touch somebody, and you can feel that somebody flinch and say, "Who who's there?" It's it's me. It's it's Torchbearer. Uh, who is this? Oh, thank God. It's, it's, it's me. It's Truman, the president. I, I can't feel my leg. There's, there's something on it. Uh, um, be careful. Uh, sit still, Mr. President. I'll, I'll do my best to get this off of you. And he'll just lean into shoving this big, uh, bit of concrete off of the president. Yeah. And, uh, as Torchbearer is going to move this huge concrete... Uh, rubble off the president we go to another section of the White House and uh, through these uh, in in the rubbles of this we can see like some light is streaming through the cracks in the rubble and we see hives we see his body surrounded by the dark miasma we see the tendril still connected to Omission's chest and we see Sister Solstice there as well Sister Solstice and Omission you are trapped in this confined space with the harbinger that tendril still connected to omission and omission i would like you to mark a stress for that doomed condition you got it yay stress we almost had as much stress as what mitchell has on a daily basis almost there. uh and harbinger says i have two of you by yourself the light is not here to protect you now. You are easy prey. Is Sister Solstice surprised when he says that he has two of us? Or can she still see omission? I think you can still see, see omission. I can shish sh- him. You know, shish him. Sh- omission seashells by the seashore. Yeah, I'm um, like right here. God. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever called me easy. Damn! <laughs> no, that was good. They have called me easy. Hey-o! Hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, my. Uh, omission, do you say anything or do anything? Yeah, I'm just gonna be like, uh, fuck the light. This is reality. And I'm gonna start shooting. Oh, this so much. This fucking light and dark bullcrap. Bop, 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 bop. Again, those those bullets just sticking into uh, this whatever energy this is. And I hate to do it to you, Mitch, but please no, mark don't. another stress. <laughs> as that doom condition is still taking effect. Yeah! <laughs> Let's rock! No, you had to do it to him. What do y'all do? I had to do it to him. Um... I want to try um, a fire blast, I think. Okay. You're going to ask me what that looks like. No, I, I know. It's a blast of fire. 
<laughs> Whoa, two, hold two on. That is crazy. That, that sounds outside the rule. That's a little on the nose, don't you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but you're gonna you're gonna try to blast him with fire. Yeah. Are you trying to hurt him or like is the main are you trying to attack him? Yes. Okay. Then let's enter into a combat exchange. Oh no. <laughs> I will choose for the harbinger I have already chosen. What do you choose? Can I uh, choose one too? Yeah, you absolutely can. You oh, are heck. definitely involved in this. Yeah. Advanced in attack. God, I hate <laughs> this guy. Sister Solstice is going to retreat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> advance in attack. No one's ever called me easy. Run away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the hype girl yeah. in the back of the fight group that's like, yeah, what? I'm out. Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah I want to do evade and observe. That, I think I need to figure out what the heck this guy's trying to do. Sister Stolz is like, your, ma- your mama easy, and she runs away. <laughs> <laughs> she just behind Omission. Okay, so Omission has evade and observe. Uh, what are you doing, Sister Solstice? Uh I'm going to attack and... A- advance attack? Yeah, okay. I wanted to come up with something clever and sarcastic, and it wasn't coming. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, the Harbinger, since he was uh, pressured last combat exchange, cannot choose advance and attack. Yeah, uh, suck it. So it will choose to defend and maneuver, and the two it will choose. Maneuver this. Oops. That's all I got. Uh, it will ready itself, and it will defend, or not defend, uh, it will retaliate. So anytime anybody attacks it, it will attack it back. Um, but we so see it gets like an attack of opportunity. Yes, it will take an attack of opportunity. But we see like uh, from the corners, the recessed corners of this rubble, we see the darkness start to eke out like tiny streams flowing towards a lake. We see all this darkness start to pull up into the harbinger's mass. And inside, Hives is just smiling. Sister Solstice. I blast him with fire, bitches. <laughs> right. Uh, roll 2d6 plus your smash. That's a nine plus... What is it plus? My smash? I ain't got no smash. Nine. A nine. You get to choose one of those options. Which yeah. do you choose? I guess I'm going to strike. Okay. Do you want to mark a stress to force him to mark to stress or condition, or do you want him to choose? I want to force him to mark a condition. Okay, go ahead and mark one stress. Me? Yeah. I don't feel stressed about that. <laughs> I feel stressed about a lot of things. I don't feel so uh, about please that. describe that's for us. That's the best thing that's well. happened so far. That's what I just said you were going to do, and you were like, no, it's a fire blast. You don't have to describe it. I know what it is. <laughs> but Carrie, I have to be facetious. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, Zordon. So as she was saying, no one's ever called me easy. She was like preparing something within her hands. Mm -hmm. And now she's just like pushing it out of the palm. Excellent. We see this huge gout of flame hit. uh, And we see the darkness kind of retreat away from... Uh, the fire as once again it scorches hives underneath there uh, and you can smell in this small confined space just the stink the sickly sick the sickly fuck me (laughs) 
the sickly sweet stench of burning hair. And as you are shooting out this gout of flame, we see this darkness kind of creep up on the wall behind you as a spear juts out of the wall, rakes across your side. Please mark one stress. And then we go to omission. Uh, All right, let's figure out what this guy's dealio is. Uh, It's not great. Uh, Okay, so seven minus two plus one. I got a six. Mm. All right. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. And here is something that I should have been doing this whole time. But in in combat exchanges for this season, whenever you all have rolled a zero through six, I've been like, okay, next. But like Pirates by the Apocalypse doesn't work like that. Like anytime there's a zero through six, the the game master or whatever there, the storyteller will always like have the opportunity opportunity to do something. Um, Oh, you want to give me a laser gun? That'd be cool. I am. I'm gonna. Yes, I'm gonna use your failure to give you a tank. Um, oh, hell no. yeah! <laughs> hell yeah! Uh, no, as you, uh, I guess omission. As you try to like scramble away, <laughs> as you try to scramble away, or you know, figure out what this tendril connecting you to Harbinger is. Uh, Harbinger l- snaps his eyes back towards you, and we just see a pulse of dark light pulse out from Hive's chest, go towards yours and hit you bodily. And I think we see Omission writhing on the ground as you mark a condition. Oh, uh, let's say guilty. Yeah, uh, one more to go. Oh, no. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go, baby. Season finale. (laughs) So, um, it's not a season finale if at least half of us don't die. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, in the next panel, we're back in that darkness with Torchbearer and President Truman, and you are trying to move uh, this this huge weight, and you're trying to move something, and we hear the president uh, scream and exclaim, "Oh, I didn't know! Wait, oh, what's? Is it hurt?" Uh, sorry. I'm trying my best to get this off of you. I'm just... I'm not sure the best way to go about it. Maybe I can help. And next to you, you see these huge muscular arms reach around <laughs> and grab uh, this huge cement block as Masterpiece is also there in the darkness with you. And he grabs and looks over to you, veins popping out from his rippling biceps underneath his shirt. As he says, <laughs> Guys, everybody is making rude gestures at me. <laughs> uh, no, tell, finish telling us about he, your favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> Please continue. I, I have... This, everybody hates this character, and that makes me love him. Um, but he looks over at you in the darkness, just barely being able to see each other, and he says, On three, Torchbearer. Let's save the president. Yeah. You get that side. I'll get this side. And then we see the spiky text bubbles. One. Two. Three. And then we just see two of you, like, lifting this huge weight, and we just see, like, from outside, we see this 
like half of the White House is just being lifted up by these two. <laughs> um, and we see like this rebarb had like kind of curled into the president's thigh. And like as it as y'all lift this up, it is pulled free and the president just grabs his thigh. Um, and as y'all lift this up, suddenly rubble falls away. And you can see into another area where you see uh, this spear sticking into Sister Solstice's side. A tendril attached to Omission's chest as he is writhing around on the ground. And Harbinger just smiling and looking at your two friends. And I think Masterpiece looks at you and says, I've got this, Torchbearer. Go save the world. Get the president to safety. I'll handle this. And, like, he's holding up that brick, and he, like, raises one hand and salutes. <laughs> aye, aye, sir. Don't you make us like him, David. <laughs> Hello friends, and welcome to the last episode of Season 1 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, David White. Let's get to some show notes. And like I said, this is the last episode of Tales to Inspire Season 1. I am so happy with how this season turned out. Uh, This is an idea that I have had for years. This idea of, like, following a superhero team through the decades and, like, seeing how, like, how would real-life superheroes affect our trajectory of history and, like, what would it change? And I am so glad, like, I, I had it in my mind for years, and I was like, I'll write a book series about this. But never had time to write it. And I am so happy that I brought it to podcast form and that the supremely talented and creative players at my table helped breathe life into this concept that has only existed as a concept in my mind for years. So to Occam and Marlo and Mitchell and Phil and Christy and Carrie, thank you so much for helping us create this project and for breathing life into such amazing characters with such compelling stories and true differences and ideas of what it means to be a superhero. I think this was a very interesting season, and I think it was a very interesting show. And I hope you, the listener, thought it was interesting, and I hope you, the listener, enjoyed it. Now, like I said, this is the end of Season 1. However... We are currently recording Season 2. We are in the thick of it with Season 2, and I cannot wait to bring you those episodes. As for when those episodes will be released, I do not have a set date yet, but it will be sometime next year. So if you want a more hard date for when these episodes of Season 2 will be released, please follow us on our socials, Facebook and Twitter, uh, or X. That is now being called. No, I'm not calling it X. It's Twitter. Damn it. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or join our Discord to get up-to-date information about our release 
and any other shows that we might be creating or producing. Uh, and like I said, season one is over, but season two, we're still going, baby. These players are coming in. They're bringing some fire characters and some compelling and emotional story moments already. We've only recorded like six episodes, and there's been like these. There's been these poignant moments. Uh, I'm really starting season two like I started the back half of season one with a lot more character focused moments a lot more character driven plot lines instead of being like here's a lynch point in history i'm gonna put you in the situation and see how you mess with it instead i'm letting the characters really explore their characters uh or the players really explore their characters and uh some real magic is happening in season two now i say all that to say I want to pay these performers for the awesome work that they are doing. Please, if you like our show, and I, I know you don't know the performers for Season 2, but let me just tell you, they deserve it. If the cast of Season 1 deserves it, and they absolutely do, the cast of Season 2 deserves it just as much. And we need to get our Patreon to $400 a month to be able to pay them $5 for every hour that we spend recording. Uh, so please go to our Patreon, help us reach that goal. Any amount that you give will help us. If you give at the $5 or above month, you will get access to the We Watch series, which is Tessa, Gian, Carrie, and myself sitting down, recording us, watching a movie, and then you can listen to our commentary track, like riff tracks or a director's commentary, while you watch the movie, maybe with friends, maybe by yourself, but however you want to watch it, you can watch it with us. And you can also listen to the Gajuliat, the greatest Justice League Unlimited episode of all time that I record with Phil. We geek out about superheroes. We geek out about the DC animated universe, this old cartoon that shaped us and told such great stories of our childhood. We're talking about which one is the best one, and that's lots of fun. Also, if we get to $400 a month, there's an extra bonus for you because we will record a new case, a new story that is set in the Misconception City. And Tessa and Carrie will come back to reprise their roles as Faye and Esther. They are chomping at the bit, guys, to record these episodes. And I want to be able to do it. I love Tessa. I love Carrie. Obviously, she's my wife. But I love telling stories with them and sitting at the table. It's just such a fun energy when I have them two at the table with me. And I would love to tell a new misconception story. So please help us reach that and also, another added bonus. Look at all these bonuses we're giving you. We're just, we're like Oprah over here. And you get a bonus. And you get a bonus. The next seven new or increased pledges are going to get their choice of a free Sins of the Father shirt or Misconception shirt mailed directly to your house. So if you like our show, if you're one of the next seven people to pledge and support us, I'm going to contact you, get your shirt size, get your address, and send you one of these shirts. Oh yeah, before I go, I almost forgot, if you want to listen to an out-of-character discussion about Season 1, it's called our Geek Out After Season 1. We did it in Misconceptions, we did it with Sins of the Father, but if you want to listen to our Geek Out After Season 1 of Tales to Inspire, that will be released on our Patreon. So if you want to listen to us talk about 
all the goals that we had as characters, stuff that even the characters didn't know about, answering loose plot threads and just interesting questions, go to our Patreon, pledge $5 a month, and you will get access to that Geek Out After Season 1. Well, that is it for this show notes section of Tales to Inspire. Uh, Season 2 of Tales to Inspire, like I said, is going strong. I want to be able to pay them, help us pay them, be on the lookout on our socials for when Season 2 will be released. And um, I guess you won't be hearing from my voice, unless you're a Patreon and get one of our special shows, until next year. See you next year, folks. Torchbearer, what do you do? Torchbearer's going to make a straight laser beam towards uh, his friends to try and sever these ties that have been made between Omission and Sister Solstice and Harbinger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's roll a seize control. That's my hero, Daddy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh... <laughs> Not n- nine. Did you roll with uh, protect? Oh, with protect, it would have been out of ten. All right, so uh, I you do it. Become my character. <laughs> just so, you know. uh, so please describe how do you uh, like sever these uh, dark tendrils and spears that are connected to your allies? What do you do? He just instinctually speeds forward like in a flash of lightning. With his arm out like a clothesline, just rushing through, rushing into the room, past them, uh, in between, just using that arm coated in light to just sever the darkness between them. Excellent. We see that uh, light-bound clothesline goes through these two tendrils of light, or two tendrils of darkness, shattering them. You feel warmth start to return to this spot where this tendril had attached itself, and you can feel like a weight lifted off your chest. Your breathing resumes normally as this tendril has been severed. I'm still here, Harbinger. As long as I'm here, you've got to deal with me. Let's take this outside. Gladly. And these tendrils, like, lift up and grab, like, this dome ceiling of rubble that has been pushed on top of you, and he just, like, opens up the sky above you. And as he does, he is speaking to you. You are not the first torchbearer I have fought. The light has worn many faces. I have even killed torchbearers before. But this time, it will be different. Because once I kill you, Grant Godwin, I will grab the light before it has chosen another host, and I will consume it. And he looks past you to Sister Solstice. It seems like today is my lucky day, because not only will I consume the light, but I will also consume nature. Oh, I can already feel its power. The first. And... Hives raises his hand to you and we can see like almost like Hives is losing feeling or dexterity in his hand as it goes to point at you but these black withered hands just kind of all fingers pointing out towards you 
But first, we deal with you, Torchbearer. And then we turn the page. Fuck. Back to the America Bomber <laughs> above New Ugh, York City. So painful. You ain't even trying to let me talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we see uh, three of you. I think Margaret is still like halfway up the rope ladder. Or maybe like you said you were pulling it in. So like she's halfway I, in I was already. helping. I was like pulling it as she was climbing. So. Yes. And then um, some some German soldiers have stepped out. What do y'all do? Um, uh, I I just I I pick sorry I just picture a scene of me pulling her in as she looks over my shoulder like go a little faster go a little faster I'm fucking working on it Chris <laughs> yeah honey I'm gonna need you to hurry it up a little bit uh, got it Doc's in a cinch shut up <laughs> <laughs> oh man Doctor Fusion what are you gonna do They have stepped out of the cockpit and they have cocked their rifles. And they're going to try to kill you. Or at least stop you. <laughs> Great. And how many? Uh, between five and ten. Oh, you know, a, a lot. small group. <laughs> a lot. Okay. Um, and they're not actively firing yet? Or have they already started firing? Um, well, y'all... So, the impetus is on the players to move the narrative forward. Uh, so, they're about to start firing. But you get the choice to do something first okay so i just got shot mm. can we say that i was kind of tent like holding that and pushing forward and then they come through the doors and immediately start shooting yes absolutely cool um so i think doc takes another shot um and then i would like to do something weird um, oh, okay. <laughs> so I would like to attempt to, and this is like a reflex, like reaction. He's not really even controlling it, but just create an electromagnetic field that like makes the bullets start to hit them each other and pushing them off course. Hmm. Mm. Let's roll a push. Um, and before we roll 2d6 plus nothing, okay. uh, what do you think this would be? Is this a simple, a difficult, or a borderline power? I, I think it's probably on borderline, to be honest. Okay, so go ahead and roll 2d6. <sighs> that is an eight. Okay, so uh, you can do it, but you, the effort will exhaust you. You're going to take three stress because it was borderline. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, you can do it, but you just can't add it to your power profile. So describe for us what happens. So on the page, you see, like, his hands go up defensively, and you see, like, electricity kind of shoot down his arms. And then there's, like, this... Uh, the next panel is just this wave of, like, this round, like, spherical wave of, like, sparks that just goes out bullets then like curving and hitting each other like they're magnetized to each other so they just hit each other and mm. deflect to, to different sides excellent and I like to think that you do this right as Geiger Gwen has pulled Crystal Gazer up um, 
and I think the two of you are like at the end of the catwalk and you look at the other end and you see this huge display of power from Dr. Fusion whose powers have never been flashy and have most always been tied to his tech. Um, so you see this huge display of power and electricity and gravitation. What do y'all do? That's my boy. <laughs> That's your man. <laughs> um, okay, so like, I think in the next panel, that f- electric field, that electric field fades away, and we see these bullets all like ding, 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 ding. Some like curved into each other and like impacting. Like, there's a famous image of like uh, these two bullets from two opposite sides that like hit each other in World War One or something, and they're like boom, and they like make a perfect deck. So we see like a bunch of that. Uh, fall to the ground and these German soldiers just kind of look at each other and look at Dr. Fusion and then look at the bullets on the ground and Doc's bleeding from two bullet holes so (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah Uh, and then we see like the commander of this platoon uh, yells in German and we see the little asterisk that says translated from German we see fire fire and they lift their guns to shoot again and this time, I think we enter into a combat exchange. Yes. Oh, no. And uh, Geiger, Gwen, and Crystal Gazer, you are uh, participating in this combat exchange. Um, Geiger, Gwen has chosen. Do you want to know? Oh, yeah, I need to choose. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should choose. Yeah, I've chosen. Oh. <laughs> Have you chosen? The choice has been made. Uh, I'm going to advance an attack, but I want to use my super technique because I have not used that yet. It seems like the finale is a good time I think to you do have, that. Don't you have to roll two successes to do so? Yeah, so uh, when I came up with this, you had to roll a 10 plus to use a super technique, but then Occam did the super awesome thing in the House Der Kunst episode, and I was like, you know what? Never mind. If you roll a success, you can, you can do it anyways. So if you roll a success, you can choose from your super technique. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So yeah. Uh, Occam, did you say what you're doing? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm also going to advance and attack. Sweet. All right. Uh, Nazi soldiers, or not Nazis anymore, German soldiers are going to uh, advance and attack as well. Uh, So nobody did defend and maneuver? I did. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Christy, go ahead and roll 2d6 plus protect. Oh, that's a 10. Yeah. Wait, do I have a, do I have any minus? Hold on. No. Wait. Yep. Minus two. So eight. Hey, you get to choose one. Okay. So I'm going to defend, and whatever happens to I I can only choose one of them, huh? Yes. Okay. So whatever happens to Doc. Okay. I'm going to take for him. So, whatever that happens, I'll, I'll narrate what I think happens in that moment, I suppose. Okay. And then to advance and attack. Okay. Oh, oh, oh! That's a 12 after my plus one. Wow. That's what you get. Heck yeah. Guess what you get. Um, so, yeah. Uh,. <laughs> well, dang it. <laughs> I was going to use my super technique, but I just looked at it and it would be... Ow. Do it. <laughs> Screw Do it. it. I'm doing it. I'm going to use my yeah! fusion fist technique. 
And then I'm also going to use my smash technique. Mm. He's fisting and smashing. Oh my That's god, so Mario. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> okay, so yes. I will mark three stress to stun all of them. I guess, I assume they all count as one foe on this. Yes, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I will use three, mark three stress to stun them. And mark a condition, because I'm out of stress now, um, to uh, smash through the door they just came through and launch it into the cockpit. Okay, wow. So you're, sorry, you're going to smash the door and send it into the cockpit? Yeah, because I, I destroy or destabilize something in the environment. Yes, yeah. So yeah, I'm just going to punch the door off its hinges and into the cockpit. Wait, and does this cause you harm in some um, way? I have all my stress marked and two conditions now. <laughs> okay, whatever you were going to mark for that moment, I, since well, I'm defending uh, I think you, I think they have defending, to hit yeah. me. Yeah. It's only if a foe attacks him. This is just a consequence of using his powers. Oh, but lame. they still have their advancing <laughs> attack maneuver to do, so you okay, may still okay, get okay, to okay. defend me. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, Crystal Gazer, what about you? First of all, Crystal Gazer is trying not to lose her mind because this is like the most like ridiculous action she's seen like Doc like do. Yeah. IRL. So she's like. Oh, can I, like, describe exactly how I did that, actually? I'm oh, yeah, please, go ahead. So, yeah, um, you see him to block all these bullets, and then they, they like, look stunned for a second and start to lift their weapons again, and he burst boots and just pop right in front of them, and uh, Fusion Fist just kind of hits one of them right in the face, and it sends, like, a shockwave of electrical energy out, and it stuns all of them, like, just electromagnetic... Uh, waves through their brains um and then he just keeps going and he smashes through the door to the awesome and then geiger gwyn what do you do wait 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 oh sorry yeah, i, I meant crystal moves, gazer so. yeah um so she um she's like oh my god what the doc i didn't know you were capable of that and so she's going to um, come forward and grab. Is there like crates around and things like that, I imagine? In this of course. Cargo? Um, so she's going to grab the meatiest, biggest looking crate that she can, thinks that she can reasonably lift mm-hmm. and um, give it a toss at these soldiers trying to avoid, get on the side who's kind of avoid Doc, you know. Yeah. Come on, we've been rolling really well. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, plus smash? Yes. That's, uh, that's a seven. Um, pressure. So yeah, we're gonna go with strike. Um. Okay. Uh, and are you going to mark a stress to force them to mark a condition or to stress, or do you want them to choose? I will, I will let them choose. Okay. All right, so that box like spl- hits them in splinters two of them are knocked uh unconscious knocked over the catwalk and all that um and before they are stunned they do still get to do their move um so they are going to uh like unload on dr fusion as he is like just pummeling them with his fusion fist uh and they are going to strike you uh and they are going to mark one stress 
to force you to mark a condition. I would have to anyways. <laughs> oh, you're right. Does that condition go to me, though? It does. Uh, if you want to defend Dr. Fusion, describe okay. how you do. Yeah. The, um, the moment that he attacks them and I see them going to attack back... Crystal's doing her thing. I'm immediately rushing in his direction. <laughs> and I just bear hug Doc from the back. And I'm going to just kind of like camouflage slash phase us out as they're all going at him with guns. Hold your breath! <laughs> and I can only hold so long, so whatever carries over from that is, I guess, what I'm going to get. Whatever condition okay. I get. Yeah, so go ahead and mark a condition. <laughs> Angry it is, because I only got <laughs> guilty left. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so yeah, when it's complicated, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I guess now it's over to you, Geiger Grant. Oh, no, because nobody chose ev- Evade and Observe. Nope, I'm, I'm just sitting there bear-hugging Doc, going, shit, oh, mm. Fucking okay. I went from completely fine to full stress and two conditions in a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, and then a panel of inside the cockpit as like those uh, doors were blown inside. The pilot like swivels his head around and sees like uh, Doctor Fusion's like fusion fist right there. Uh, his. Uh, partners or his accomplices thrown to the side in every direction some of them unconscious the other ones going to take a while to pick themselves up and uh he turns and he looks back and through the clouds we can see the skyline of new york and he just grits his teeth and says for the deutschland and he takes out his pistol and just shatters all these instruments and I think, Dr. Fusion, as you are looking up and seeing him, like, smashing these instruments, before you can do anything, he smashes a final one, takes the yoke, and, like, with all his might, wrenches it free of its socket and throws it to the side. And then we just see a shocked look on Dr. Fusion and Geiger Gwen's face as we just see an onomatopoeia of... Oh. And then we, then we see a body crumple to the floor in the cockpit. Dr. Fusion, Geiger Gwen, and Crystal Gazer, you start to feel your stomach turn and drift up towards your chest as the America Bomber is now rapidly descending towards New York. We turn the page back to the White House. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Torchbear, Sister Solstice, and Omission. Harbinger stands before you. Your friend Hives trapped within its grasp. So what do y'all do? I think Torchbearer's just going to rush straight at Hives. Okay, let's... Uh, I guess I'm going to try Blades. Um, and uh, so what... Uh, I think what he'd want to do is um, just kind of uh, reach into his, like his stomach uh and grab his um uh i guess one of his like chest bones and rip it out okay what (laughs) hmm 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like the most appropriate thing to do here. <laughs> okay. Is, so is torch or not torch bear. With a rib Omission, cage you bone. you take out a knife. Appro appropriateness is not a term I would use. <laughs> Okay, so you grab your knife. You are preparing yourself to eviscerate hives. Uh, Carrie, you looked like you were going to say something. I was just going to say that uh, I need the heart at the center of the darkness. Whatever that means. (laughs) feel so, like Omission needs to know that. <laughs> yes. Okay, then I'm going to start looking for the president. Huh? <laughs> Omission's first thought is like, oh, obviously. Yeah, obviously the darkest thing uh, here is the president <laughs> of the United States. Like, uh, let's roll. <laughs> okay. So, so you're not going to try to eviscerate hives anymore yeah yeah i I'm, I'm gonna like this if we need a heart of darkness uh president no no uh, not uh, a heart of darkness the heart of darkness okay it's the, the heart, heart of the of center of the darkness technically yes is the wording yes either that or we just kind of like or it could be this darkness both are like up in the air is equally valid. As as omission and sister solstice are like having this little <laughs> conversation, we like see in the background like these explosions of light and darkness as <laughs> Torchbearer and Harbinger are like grappling with each other, world shattering underneath their massive blows. Oh yeah, can they like chill it out for a few as we try to figure this out? <laughs> hey, God, calm God, down! I need you to be quiet. I'm <laughs> yeah, trying to figure out the riddle. <laughs> yeah, like I can only have one person at a time attacking me. Okay, <laughs> guys, 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 it's hives. I'm punching as softly as I can. <laughs> Please don't break his. We'll nose. punch his heart this out. Is the most symmetric thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, can you punch his heart out? That's literally what I've been trying to do this entire time. <laughs> well, if you could hand it this way. Yeah, do it. Like, jeez. When I do something, I get it done. God. <laughs> Let's blow look at the tape. The David, can you pull up the tape? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sister Solstice shooting Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So what do we do? Or what do y'all do? I just want the heart. Torch, Torchbearer is rushing towards hives. So, are we entering into a combat exchange? Or... Torchbearer is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess um, I'll, I'll try to, because it, it looks like Torchbearer needs help from a regular guy, uh, <laughs> since he can't do it himself. Uh, so, I guess I will try to hold this guy down. So, um, maybe... Let's let's do it like this. Uh, so while while Sister Solstice and Omission were like having a discussion of like the a heart of darkness. Okay, I'll go kill the president. No, the heart of darkness. Okay, I'll go kill the president. Or it could be this yeah. guy. Uh, in that like conversation, uh, Torchbearer, go ahead and roll a seize control as you rush towards uh, the Harbinger. Visualizing that scene is hilarious. <laughs> and eight? Yes. 
plus one. Uh, what am I rolling with? It's the. Uh, I would say this is plus smash. Plus smash. Okay, that's plus plus one minus two, so minus one eight. Yeah. Okay, so um, you seize control over what was contested, but your opponent attacks you in retaliation. You enter into a combat exchange, or you seize control over what was contested, but the effort exhausts you. Mark a condition. Which do you choose? Yeah, let him attack me in retaliation. I'm, I'm all right. I'm. It'll be worth it. Okay. Okay. So, what were you trying to seize? Hives. Okay. So you are going to seize hives. Please describe how how this looks. What do you do? Torchbearer has been playing with like kids' gloves, basically, <laughs> like quite literally, just like light around his fists, and not not wanting to like physically harm hives every punch that he's thrown at the harbinger via hives has been an attempt to make uh have his light come in as powerful as possible contact with the darkness within hives and push it out of him uh so he just rushes in and he like directs a punch directly at Hives' heart. But we see, like, this wave before the punch ever gets there, the light making contact with the darkness and just shoving, like, the light entering into Hives' body and that bit of darkness pushing out the back and resisting at every every possible punch and jab that he throws at him. Okay. Uh, And so... uh how how do you seize control of hives? Uh, being able to maybe like make progress, so like the majority of this darkness is kind of starting to like be pushed back out of hives. Like he kind of uh, starts to hives regains a little bit, but a little bit of himself. He starts to like have majority control over hives, or like the light is able to uh, overtake the darkness, just to, like a a better ratio. He's revealing that Legend of Zelda week one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so yeah, as you are punching and punching the darkness away with this light around your fists, uh, we will enter into a combat exchange. Uh, Okay, Uh, I've chosen what the Harbinger's going to do. I've chosen what Torchbearer's going to do. I've chosen what Sister Solstice is going to do. Yeah, evade and uh, evade and observe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Torch Baron, Sister Solstice, where are y'all doing? Evade and observe. Advance okay. and advance and attack. Okay, Harbinger also chooses to advance and attack. So, Torch Bear goes to you as you are getting in close with the darkness. Uh, it's crowding all around you. Uh, hives is you're starting to peel away. Uh, using your fists like a surgeon tools, peel away the darkness. And I think as like some of the darkness is eking out and away from Hives' eye, we can like, we almost see like this two sides of Hives' face, like a two face situation where like the darkness is still holding on to one side, but like his face is free on this side. And we just see like an eye wide Hives' eye looking at you. And we just see a very small text box. Save me, Grant. What do you do? Hold on, Hives. We'll get you free. And 
Torchbearer rolled a 12. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and with, with the favored status, I get to pick all three. Ooh. Okay. Am I, am I wrong? <laughs> uh, you're not wrong because you are still favored from last episode. <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> it's the best thing you've ever told me in this whole game, David. <laughs> I'm not wrong. That's a power hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, strike, strike the darkness. Deal, deal stress to, uh, or um, to do, do, mark two stress. Mark, I'll take. I'll mark a stress to make him take a, a condition. Okay, I'll do that. That's fine. Pressure so he can't defend a maneuver. And smash to further uh, destabilize. The darkness within hives. Mm, okay. I like it. Okay, and so as you are, you're hammering. Oh, go ahead and describe uh, what does this look like? It looks like he's straining under the effort. Uh, sweating with uh, with each blow. But it, we start to see that it's not from like strenuous acti- the strenuous activity of the fight. He's used to the fight. He's the tear like tears coming out of his eyes trying to save hive's life this person that has uh meant a lot to him and has helped him uh over the years or since they've met and he just strikes strikes just pummeling down these haymakers with this glowing light over his fists and this uh he feels this that that same ache and that same sickness of being that close to the darkness, the same feeling he had at the university, being that close to those relics and being near that mask. But the light in his heart starts to to glow brighter and to overpower all of that and to push those feelings away as he continues to just... the light As the light grows brighter and brighter, it starts to push farther and farther the darkness out of hives. And as you are pushing this darkness away we can see more of hives being exposed and like these tendrils being ripped away from him but he's the the harbinger still controls one hand of hives and he reaches around and grabs you by the throat with these dark fingers and we can now see that they're almost shaped like claws as they kind of dig into your skin uh and he is choosing to strike you and he is going to mark a stress to force you to mark a condition and then, while he is choking you, we see this tendril start to come out from the top of the Harbinger, wrap around uh, Torchbearer's blind spot, and spear him through the back as he marks another stress to give you the doomed condition. It's great. I love it. <laughs> it's real fun. Yeah. Give me the light. I must as he is choking your throat and trying to peel apart your back with his tendril you can't have it not now never omission and sister solstice what are you doing um so I'm wanting to basically for lack of a better word like send out a vibe to like keep us focused and like 
do it in such a way that like I'm helping um, Torchbearer to be able to like push past the emotions to like be able to do what we have to do, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, so like the calmness and peace that's needed to be like level headed and like steady hands to be able to or like apathy complete the <laughs> yeah complete okay. the task. So uh, go ahead and roll. This is evade and observe. Mm-hmm. So roll two d six plus your investigate. An eleven. And eleven. So you get to choose two. I'm wanting to bolster him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also. Seize a position. I mean, you have this super technique called restore vitality. Okay. Uh, and kind of based on what you're saying, like you're wanting to push out like this wave of healing and calm, like that's exactly what restore vitality would do. Okay. So I so I want to restore vitality, and then seize a position. Okay. Restore vitality and seize a position. Okay, so restore vitality. We haven't seen this super technique yet. Can you read what it says to us? Yes. I cast a spell of curative and reinvigorating energy on an ally, Torchbearer. Remove (laughs) one stress from an ally or mark two stress on yourself to remove a condition from an ally. So I want to... I guess I want to remove a stress. Okay. Uh, and then uh, how do you seize a position? What are you seizing? Um, making an attempt to distract the harbinger. That that seems more to me like a bolster or hinder. Okay, so I want to hinder. Okay. Um, and I think uh, you're wanting to like distract him, so impaired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're slowed or off balance. Uh, the NPC must mark one stress or choose one fewer technique next combat exchange. Mm-hmm. So how do you distract him while casting this spell on Torchbearer? I think that maybe the spell in itself is a distraction in a way. Okay. Um, because this spell requires me to like actually say, like I'm speaking in like tongues for lack of a better okay. way to explain it. But like, and so like, I'm talking and, like, I'm kind of, like, going into this trance and, like, Mm -hmm. moving my hands and, you know, kind of just, like, really, like, almost, like, avatar state stuff. Like, I'm, like, going, you know. And so he's going to be, like, what the fuck is this girl (laughs) doing? Like, this little girl will not stop. Like. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So uh, he's impaired. And then omission. What are you doing? Uh, I guess I'm going to try to make him forget me so I can observe when the best time is to shoot this guy in the head. Um, okay. All right, so roll uh, 2d6 plus investigate. Please, Satan, help me. Buckles. <laughs> nah, I can't roll above a Get three now. So leave me alone. I'm just going to go over here. Don't You forget me. I'm done. <laughs> go, go ahead. You forget. Move on. <laughs> my power you forget yeah yeah so i think you are you're fumbling for that gun or not fumbling for the gun but you're trying to like get into his blind spot so that you could get a good shot on hives uh and just cap him uh and as torchbearer and harbinger are struggling uh one of these tendrils just like whoosh out towards you uh and it like hits you but it doesn't hurt you 
but you're just kind of flung back a few feet, uh, and then when you come back up, your gun is gone. Fuck, I need that. <laughs> my, that's my power. And then, uh, Torchbearer, you mark a stress mm-hmm. because of your doomed condition. Gotcha. And, um, so you are grappling with Harbinger. He has one hand on your throat, this, uh, tendril wrapped around to your back, just trying to pull you apart from either side to get to the light inside of you. Uh, Sister Solstice, you are casting this healing, restorative spell, and I think omission, uh, as Torchbearer is grappling with Harbinger, you see that some of this darkness has been pulled away specifically from Hive's chest. What do you do? I mean, that's that's it, right? That's the moment. This is it. And yeah, so he'll plunge forward with the knife to try to cut it out. Okay. Um, please roll a seize control. Aw, no. okay all right come on roll 20 or okay this is i this is all right so i got an eight an eight okay so you seize control over what was contested but your opponent attacks you uh or you seize control over what was contested but the effort exhausts you mark a condition (laughs) (laughs) I will remind you, if you have full conditions, you're not done yet. Yeah. It's only if you're taking condition after you have all full conditions. Yeah, I feel like uh, if he retaliates, I'm going to take in condition anyway. Um, and I think <laughs> it's probably uh, cooler if, uh, as he like jumps forward, uh, sending his blade towards the heart, um, and it plunges right into his chest uh, as he... like drags it down like a saw through his uh rib cage um he looks down as like the blood drips from um uh the darkness and he notices that one of the tentacles is going through his own heart um Mm. and so he's like i had something i wanted to say but i forgot (laughs) and then with that he's gonna take that condition yeah, you take that condition. I'm and, full uh, up on conditions. Woo! <laughs> full conditions for omission, baby. It's the finale. Yeah, yeah. So you dig your knife into Heise's chest. Uh, do you reach in? Do you grab the heart? Do you remove it? Do you, do you leave that exposed? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> grab that fucking heart and, and send it to the witch. <laughs> Uh, fucking send it. Okay. Yeah, because like uh, once again, it's going to take a child to to defeat great evil, and he will continue to use that child again and again, uh, point at things <laughs> like a gun if need be. Um, so yeah. Okay, so we see like a um a panel where it has drawn you three figures in like black with a red background, and we have like <clears throat> and we have omission kind of like boosted up on top of hives and we see like his hand like fully extended with some stringy bits stretching in between one hand and hives chest as you pull the heart free and you go to throw it to sister solstice and torchbearer you watch as the light in hives eyes 
goes out. Uh, I think the hand that was wrapped around you just kind of like fumbles with your throat, and Harbinger fumbles away, but Hives is still moving, clumsily, like an unskilled marionette or a deer walking for the first time. As Harbinger is trying to ambulate this body that now has no life in it, but that Harbinger still desperately needs to use to affect the world around it. Sister Solstice, you hear a wet plop as the heart of Henry Richter lands in front of you. You have what you need to do the ritual. I think she takes a deep breath and nods her head and picks up the heart and begins the ritual. Please describe what this ritual look like. Never done a ritual with a human heart before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ow! Oh yeah, here I can, I can run you through it if you want. It's not as scary as people make it out to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's really chill. I I'm trying to think of like something from Hocus Pocus or something. <laughs> you start sp- singing. I'll put a spell on you. Yes. Twist so I'm just like rising up and back. like. It's a competent. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um. So I think um, after, you know, she nods her head, she solemnly picks up the heart, um, and then she's going to look to Torchbearer, um, and without saying anything, she's, like, looking for the signal that, like, he's ready Mm. for her to begin. She looks over to see Torchbearer, like, struggling with Harbinger, like, the hand on his throat, and Torchbearer struggling, both hands on the arms against it, and the tentacle in his back and slowly he looks her way and as a tear rolls down his cheek he gives her a nod um and so at this point um she um pulls a few things from her um which is house um and begins um kind of massaging the heart with the um, herbs and and different things and then um, she begins the chant and I think as you begin the chant we start to see the heart glow and it starts to glow brighter and brighter and brighter and Sister Soul says you get to a point of the ritual where you feel resistance Almost like uh, you're pulling a garden hose, and the garden hose has snagged on something. And in order to get the garden hose to come any further, you're going to have to pull it tight and break whatever is blocking its path. Sister Solstice, do you pull that garden hose and break what is blocking its path? It's at this point that you see a tear roll down Sister Solstice's face as she makes the final pull. You feel creation leave you not only the ability to create life but the ability to create to make art to add substantially to the world in a way that is not derivative derivative of what someone else has done 
and at last the heart grows its brightest. And the heart turns into a radiant ball of light and shoots across the White House lawn to Torchbearer. Torchbearer, as it collides with you, what happens? It hits Torchbearer in his his back. You can see it start to glow out the front. What looked to be like his badge glowing shows to be something much deeper as his heart begins to glow. And slowly this glowing begins to spread to every part of his body. Begins to creep up his neck and creep down to his arms and down his torso towards his legs. We suddenly see uh, this brilliant uh, flash of light and the sound of metal cutting through the air. And the the tentacle that was in his back is severed. And we hear Harbinger cry out. And when the light kind of fades, you see the, a glowing figure there. This tall, muscular woman wearing a kilt and her long, glowing hair looking like fire as it blows in the wind, holding this massive claymore. She lifts the sword up and throws it over her shoulder. We can see this is Felicity Fallon, the torchbearer that that dropped that mantle to Grant. And then beside her is another figure, this young African-American man who wears the soldier's fatigues. And the, the torchbearer before her, who died in World War I, And then together on either side of them is a Native American who pulls back a bow, aiming it directly at Harbinger. And next to him, a young man holding two six guns pointed directly at the heart of darkness. And then from the back, another man holds a flag, a flag that pure light that glows at the top of this long spear, the shaft that holds his flag is a, a burning torch as bright as the sun. And then one final figure walks forward, surrounding Harbinger as it reels from this bright, bright light. A man with a glowing sash pinned together by this insignia of the torchbearer and he raises this massive club that looks to be almost indicative of Lady Liberty's torch. He points this massive torch towards Harbinger. The light won't die here as long as the light lives in the hearts of every one of us here. It can never fade away. Grant joins them. This figure of just light embodied I might not be the first, but the light stopped you before. And even if you stop me here, I know I won't be the last. So you can give me all that you've got. If you want to consume this light, I'll make sure you choke on it. And 
all of them rush together to attack Harbinger. This, these embodied light figures rushing towards the darkness. And I think we see a set of consecutive panels of these figures rushing towards the darkness. And the next panel, the figures are a little less defined. It's just this huge white circle. I think in each consecutive panel, the circle constricts and that moat or that circle of darkness gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think we turn the page and we just see a blank page with nothing on it but white light. We turn the page to the America Bomber. The three of you are plummeting towards the most populous city in America. The pilot is dead. Most of the guards and soldiers that were on this uh, vehicle have been knocked unconscious. What do the three of you do? I would like to think that Gwen has a moment where she almost feels what's happening with Torch. So she has a moment of like... So I think that moment that she has of reaction, you see already, if I can for a second, you see that Crystal and Doc are already moving into action to do something, and they don't see her reaction. So they have no idea what, why she did that or what happened, not because I want to ignore it, but because I think it's interesting to have them both like flying into action and her just, like the, fir- the fir one who's always first to action just totally stopped in her tracks. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there's no stopping this thing. There's no way to pull up on a yoke or anything. Doc is pouring over controls, but he can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. All The control panel is completely smashed. The um, pilot, before he shot himself, rent and bent and tore the yoke off of the uh, steering column. So now the steering column is bent and messed up already, even without the yoke on it. So, Crystal Gazer is looking around the cargo hold for something, like parachutes, or something they could they could at least get out, mm-hmm. or something. What, what options does she have? Um, and I think, because the, 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 the nuke is in here, right? I think she, her eyes light on the nuke, and she looks back at the others and says, Well... The plane's bad enough, but, uh, this bad boy, this will take out the whole city, I think. Yeah, and Dr. Fusion, you see that familiar glue blow is, blue glow is also reflected in this nuke. Oh, Shiza. I, I don't know. I don't think we can stop it. You stop that shit right now, Doc. I have never known you to not know the answer to a situation, and right now you know the answer. You saved your girl. And it's okay. I promise. Doc. I was never mad at you, I promise. 
Not like it really matters, because I know you don't give a shit. Crystal? If he doesn't treat you right... You know I have enough power to come back and fucking haunt both your asses, so you best do this right. No, Gwen! Shh. No! Shut up. And I, I... There's a panel of Gwen just looking directly at Doc. You know I can do this. You don't want to admit it, but you know I can. You save her. And you know that Grant will do the rest. For the record, I do care. But you can't do this by yourself. He's gonna grab your hands and you're gonna feel that little bit of energy between the two of them, like what happened back when we were in the uh, in the Alps. Um, yeah. And it feels stronger somehow, like it's like somehow his power, whatever his abilities are, have somehow strengthened in some way. Um, and you just feel that energy pushing into you. And she puts her hand on his cheek and her hand on Crystal's cheek. Be strong for me. Kick everybody's ass and tells you that. And I think we see, like, little bits of arcs of energy, like, sparking off of Geiger Gwen's shoulders and, like, her hair as uh, she turns her back to you and starts walking towards a cockpit. Dr. Fusion and Crystal Gazer, before y'all leave, your friend, do y'all do anything? We have this moment of, you see them, like, you see their backs as Gwen's walking away and Crystal Gazer... Uh, reaches down and squeezes Doc's hand um, and her face turns to the side and you see tears just running down the cheek that you can see from behind and she looks at him and says okay we jump I got it and y'all y'all walk to the end of the ramp y'all take one last look oh yeah, oh, yeah. As you turn around, Geiger Gwen, what do they see? They see Geiger Gwen just turning and facing them both with the biggest smile on her face. I finally found it. And I'm gonna give it back. All the love I can give. And then you just see her shoot the double birds on <laughs> 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 her fingers. And she just blows kisses at the same time as they're leaping. And you two step off the, the ramp. You, like, guide each other safely down to a rooftop. And I think you two, I don't know, like, still holding on to each other. You watch as the America Obama streaks over these buildings and going towards the downtown district to Manhattan, where all these tall buildings are. And then the next panel, we're inside the cockpit with Geiger Gwen by herself. Gwen, how do we see you in your final moments? What thoughts and emotions are going through your head? What memories are you dwelling on? It becomes um, kind of like a firestorm of little pictures here and there. 
it starts off with pictures of her as a precocious 10-year-old, you know, not doing anything a normal 10-year-old girl would do. Everything results in dirt and scraped knees and blood and, Mom, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. I don't feel bad about it. And then it turns to her relationship with Tiny Tim and his harsh words and the heart hard hits and the blood and the sadness and then there's a quick turn to where all you see is her smiling with the women that she's helped who she's helped get away from those situations the people in her uh, her crowd Sister Solstice, Crystal Gazer Omission Doc who she forgives even though she knows it was never his fault in the first place but she was blaming herself the entire time and then torch who showed her what real good could be and the last picture is her going you and my light baby Thank you for showing it to me. And she just settles herself into the uh, captain's chair and kind of just leans into it and starts to just, you see like a light emanating off of her and she just eases into it. She knows what she's got to, it's the end for her and she knows it. Yeah. And I like to think that as you ease into it, you literally ease into it. We see the tips of your fingers phase into the armrest. Your shoulder blades phase into the seat. Your feet phase into the floor. Then we cut to outside. uh, As New Yorkers are looking up, seeing this V-shaped shadow sweep over Main Street. And we see... Some people in a business building start to grab their papers running for the door as this wing is coming towards him and we just see the wing pass through all of them with no damage. We see another wing pass through another building. We just see this V-shaped America bomber phasing through all these buildings. And from inside the cockpit, we see Geiger Gwen sweat brimming off of her brow teeth clenched tight her hands and fists as the ground is rapidly approaching and then Geiger Gwen closes her eyes and we turn the page back to the ruins of the White House I think we see the dead body of hives on the ground cavernous hole in his chest Omission with blood-stained hands not a few feet away. Sister Solstice kneeling on the ground in the grassy lawn. But Torchbearer is nowhere to be seen. And then we see Masterpiece strolling up, holding the president in a fireman's carry. And the president looks weary, bloodied, and tired. And he looks at the destruction that Harbinger caused. And he nods his head. 
America will always be a nation who is thankful for her heroes. And out of frame, we see an adjunct run up. Mr. President, Mr. President, word from New York. The heroes defuse the America bomber. New York City is safe. The president closes his eyes. Thank God above. And then from another ad, another panel, another adjunct runs up. Mr. President, Mr. President, the bomber. And he says, we know. It has been dealt with. No, sir. There's another one. And we turn the page. To some kids playing in a street. Baseball. We see one boy hit, and we hear the crack of the bat as this ball goes flying off screen. There's cheering and laughing, and one boy looks up and takes his hat off and squints. In the next panel, we can see a V-shaped shadow coming through the clouds. There's a little yellow text box that reads, Chicago, Illinois. And then we turn the page. The next page is all black with some white text on it as the events after this issue are explained. After the bombing of Chicago and the death of thousands, America was forced into signing a peace treaty with the Axis powers. The agreement brought an end to the war in Europe with most of the Axis powers keeping most of the territory that they had seized after 1942. America also formally recognized the peace treaty that the Soviet Union had already signed with Germany and the Axis powers. A month later, in September, bolstered by the success of the Nazi bombing, Japan attempted their own bomb, releasing a pathogen bomb on Los Angeles. The pathogen spread and killed hundreds, but unfortunately for Japan, it did not bring a speedy end to the war. Instead, it spurred a war in Japan which would last well into the 50s and would be a bloody, brutal, and prejudiced war of invasion. And so the flow of history continues and time is altered. End of Season 1 Thanks for listening to this season of Tales to Inspire. We will be back with Season 2 after the new year. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. 
You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash IAM underscore W-A-K-E. Omission was played by Mitchell Wallace, who can be found at Mitch Bustillos on Twitter. Crystal Gazer was played by Marlo Bogus, who can be found at Marlo Bogwich on Twitter. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Geiger Gwyn was played by Christy Scheidemantel, who can be found at Polish Christy on Twitter. Dr. Fusion was played by Occam Razor, who can be found at Occam Sockum Robo on Twitter. Sister Solstice was played by Carrie White, who hates Twitter and refuses to get one. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks a New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. <laughs>